This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Yes, it was the preseason. And yes, preseason doesn't count. But as we've said, preseason does matter. And so does simple execution winning your one-on-one matchups didn't see a whole heck of a lot of that last friday nights as the cardinals lost their preseason game to the kansas city chiefs 17 to 10 in front of a nationally televised audience it was not good there was some good that we can discuss gentlemen but uh i know kyle on the post game show immediately cardinal talk it was very simple for you yes it does not matter but it's got to look a lot better than what we saw, especially from the offensive side. Yeah, you know, the excuse of they tried to keep it vanilla, they weren't trying to show much, that doesn't really matter. I mean, you you should be able to execute basic plays. You should be able to run, um, you know, with the personnel we have on offense, you should be able to run simple plays and execute simple plays and keep the chains moving. And at least, you know, the the concerning thing to me, is, you know, this is probably the only dress rehearsal that some of the starters will get um, in the preseason, including Kyler Murray. Um, you know, there's still issues with communication on offense and defense. Um, we talked a little bit post-game about the sack differential in the preseason, about how we've given up nine sacks and, and we've gotten zero. Um, and just from what I've seen, it's not just on the offensive line. They've got some issues with blitz pickup, and that comes from – running backs in the protection it comes from quarterbacks understanding the blitz is coming and hitting the hot route um there's other sloppy things like um you know just missed tackles and um two minute time management players not getting out of bounds and stopping the clock um things like that that you know hopefully at this point um in the preseason you know you're starting to get a good handle on some of those things yeah we know kyler's made it very clear that he doesn't like the preseason but for any guy to go out there and compete against a really good Chiefs defense, I mean, that would have been a nice little tune-up. I mean, you look at what Jameis Winston did, you know, 9 for 10, 123 yards. That's what I wanted to see, a nice drive down the field. Now, you know, they did have some miscues. I mean, I want, the Christian Kirk play wasn't as easy as him making a drop. I think, as you pointed out, Kyler probably needs to throw it a little bit quicker. They had a miscommunication on the over-the-middle play with Rondell Moore. Um, James Conner, there was there was some uh, lane to run through, and you know he obviously made a business decision. And again, I understand they don't want to get hurt, but when you're on the field and you can compete against an opponent, that's what you like to see. Do like to see what 
we've seen now for two games, and that is more play of Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons on the field together. Saw a lot more of those two specifically in the first half, again, against a very good Chiefs offense. And that, to me, is invaluable, Kyle, because as you look towards week one, week two, the start of the regular season, it's going to be here before you know it. And don't know if either one of those are going to see any time this week. My guess is I hope that they do, but that might have been the biggest test, especially considering it is a Chiefs offense that does a lot of different things and can affect your eyes a lot. Yeah, they got a lot of reps. I mean, there was, uh, because of a product of what the offense did in the first half, they were out there a lot. And it was good to see them work through some things. Um, you know, Isaiah Simmons showed some good things in this game. Um, he showed his ability to cover, um, you know, not just running backs out of the backfield or, or even um, one of the elite tight ends in the league. He was covering McCole Hardeman um, on at least two occasions, and he's one of the fastest players in the NFL. Um, and, you know, again, um, Zayvon Collins played 42 snaps. I mean, that's, that's a good number of snaps for a preseason game. And watching him, he played all 42 snaps as hard as he could. I mean, you know what you have – in him he is a hard-nosed player that's going to give you all he's got on the football field there's obviously some things he can he can fix and he can correct and technique stuff he can get better at but you know you're going to get all he's got on every single play well what did the head coach see out of his two young inside linebackers here's head coach cliff kingsbury i thought they they took a step forward um from week one and that's a really good offense they create a lot of misdirection do different things to put people in space and i thought it was good for them to see that type of speed that type of tempo from one of the best offenses in the league and yeah i guess the biggest thing is they took a a good step from week one to, to week two both collins and simmons mj each had four tackles but when you look at collins as the quarterback of that defense there was a tackle for loss there was him going up the middle and a huge collision on that third defensive series with jarek mckinnon and then there was a missed tackle on a screen pass to the fullback so again a lot of good but then for the coaching staff to go back and pinpoint hey this is where you need to be better we need you over here you can't do this and again teaching moments yeah, and you know you're going to hear from Zayvon Collins here coming up because he's critical of himself over the game. Now, as Kyle pointed out, I mean this guy plays physical. He's 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 downhill um, to make the tackle, so he may not get there and he may over pursue it at times, but he's going to slow the ball carrier down from that standpoint. So we know there's going to be growing pains, and I don't think it's a surprise uh, the the three of us here that we're probably going to see Jordan Hicks. Collins and Simmons probably for the first couple of weeks of the game uh, the season just based on you know there's going to be growing pains and we know Jordan Hicks knows the defense as much as um, you know a lot of guys um, that over the last couple of years are still learning it but I got to think that based on Collins getting a ton of reps in the offseason and as Kyle pointed out in the preseason that can only help him make the adjustment well you referenced his post-game comments this is on the arizona cardinals radio network and collins certainly in a conversation with paul calvisi in the locker room believes that he can be and will be a lot better personally missed too many tackles uh had a big misplay down the middle there's some things that we got to clean up from a not really a uh, you know assignment standpoint, but uh, just kind of a um, basic football standpoint like tackling. Uh, and I'm a big part of that. We, we got to do better in that aspect. 
high expectations that Collins has for himself, Kyle, and I like to hear it. And at the same time, you hope that everyone has that same attitude after a game. And maybe you feel differently the next day or two days later after you watch the film. But your immediate reaction, Collins, obviously, regardless if it was a win or a loss, he understands that he can play a lot better. Yeah, I I really like to hear that from, especially from a young player. Um, You know, regardless of how everybody feels about preseason, regardless of how you feel about practice, you know, we talked about this, they matter. And you cannot just let a practice go by and and not get everything out of it. And you can't stack back-to-back practices. And you've got to, at least as a competitor, understand the value of practice, the value of preseason games. And, and if you don't feel like you played your best, then it drives you to get back in there, get in the film room, get out on the practice field, work on your techniques and improve on those things. If you just say, doesn't matter, it wasn't a big deal, you know, in the end, it's not going to count toward our final record. It might not count toward your final record, but it does count toward probably how you're going to perform in the regular season. So it's good to hear that from a young player. And, um, you know, we talked about how this was a good test based on the personnel he was going against. It was also a good test because there's probably no team in the league that uses more shifts, more motions, and takes advantage of spacing and misdirection than the Kansas City Chiefs. And you did see some of that in this preseason game. They did game plan. They did use some of the things in their offense that they're going to use in the regular season. And for a young player, especially the guy that's the signal caller, to be out there and recognize these things. I mean, specifically I saw – there was an end around that is designed to trick linebackers to over pursue. He didn't. He stuck his foot in the ground and he got in and, and on, you know, got it was a part of that play. So um, it's, it's, there's a lot of value to what I saw from him in this game. Another young player, I think, who took every advantage of the opportunities he was presented on Friday, MJ, and that would be Victor Dimukeji, played 58 of 77 offensive snaps and a lot of that is because there was no Chandler Jones no Marcus Golden although good to see Golden at practice on Tuesday but here's another young outside linebacker day three pick that 2021 rookie class that is hoping that they are have done enough to be a part of that 53-man squad yeah I mean he I I like his size I like his energy Um, even if he doesn't make the play he'll still run down the field and try to make the tackle even though you know you don't want to see those big runs but um, you know are they going to keep nine uh, linebackers. I mean, you're talking about a 3-4 defense. How many you keep inside and outside? And you look at Kylie Fitz, and he's been a guy that's been on the roster. And so, I, you know, it's a numbers game. But I think when you look at his upside and the fact that, you know, he does have a little Marcus Golden in him, not, not saying they're going to be the same player, same energy, but I just like the way he practices. And to me, it carries over to what he's able to do in the preseason games. Nothing announced officially. In fact, head coach Cliff Kingsbury moments ago asked about the offense and Kyler Murray and how much, if at all, Kyler Murray would play this week in the preseason finale against the Saints. And coach was noncommittal, wasn't sure yet, but then added that he didn't think Murray needed any more or extra preseason reps. So based off of that, it doesn't sound like we're going to see Kyler Murray on Saturday. That's just what I take away. Now, what should we take away based off those three offensive series that totaled minus one yard? Here's the head coach post game with Paul Calvisi. Just didn't execute uh, like we could. I thought there were little things that, that we weren't doing. 
uh, that we've been doing in practice and, and weren't able to, to connect and just got to keep working. Does it create any extra urgency perhaps going into this week? Uh, can I use the word concern in the preseason or is that a little too extreme? For me, it's too extreme, but anytime you come out and you don't play like um, you know you're capable of, you, you definitely will uh, look at what you're doing and, and try to get better the next week. Does it change anything you might do next week in terms of reps for the ones? It won't. Um, we'll continue on with the plan we've had, and, and that's just take it week to week and, and see how we feel going into the game week. I certainly understand the segments of the fan base, Kyle, that wants to see this offense do something with Kyler Murray, with DeAndre Hopkins, with A.J. Green, Chase Edmonds, the offensive line ahead of week one, just to give us a glimpse of what to expect. Something good, something to feel good about this team going into that regular season opener at Tennessee. Yeah, it's a bit of a tease, right? Like you have all of these expectations and hopes of what this offense could and should look like and to not get at least a glimpse of it, you know, prior to the opener. It's as a fan, you know, hope it's something hard to hold on to. You want some proof. You want some signs that, yes, this is going to be a special team. All of these um, offseason additions and the changes we made, these were the right ones, and, and this is going to be a fun season. And, um, you know, it appears like we might just have to wait, and we might just have to take everybody's word for it when they say, you know, we're going to get it fixed. This wasn't us. Um, and, you know, we're not, we don't have these concerns that, you know, most of the fan base has right now. So it would be nice to kind of get that taste out of your mouth um, because, you know, say what you want about everybody not enjoying or not necessarily being invested in, in preseason as far as fans um, it's going to be hard, you know, if the starters don't play this week. And then to have no football the following week, um, you're going to wish you had something to watch, something to give you some hope. Yeah, you can always go back and uh, maybe revisit some of the uh, game film from 2020 as you get ready for Well, you better watch the, the part, part of the first half of the season. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like the Dave Hash Podcast, Cardinals Underground, Cardinals Cover 2, the Big Red or the Big Red Rage, and of course this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. There was good news, and dare I say great news, that we saw and heard from Friday night, and that is what we saw on Monday at practice. 99 is on the football field. We'll discuss the return of J.J. Watt as we continue here. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Rio, Luke Havandabosh, and Mike Jarecki on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. for the touchdown. Ball is free, knocked around, and it's controlled by Watt. Picked up, running with it to the 40, to the 30, to the 20. He's gone. Touchdown. What can he do? Bortles with time. Pops. Here comes Watt, and he breaks down Bortles in the end zone. J.J. Watt with the sack. Look out from behind. Here comes Watt, and second time he has gotten to the quarterback. Stafford back to pass. Looks, hooks it out left side. Intercepted by J.J. Watt, and he's going to take it in for a touchdown. When it comes to news about J.J. Watt, just leave it to J.J. Watt to break the news. Remember, it was him 
that announced that he was joining the Arizona Cardinals. Then, of course, Friday on a sideline interview with ESPN, J.J. Watt said he would be back at practice on Monday. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury post-game and then again Monday before practice, yes, Expect to see number 99 on the football field on Monday, and that is exactly what we saw, MJ, was J.J. Watts in practice during the open portion on Monday. Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking once the team breaks camp on Thursday, and clearly he's not going to play, I thought, you know, you still got that bye week before your opener, and maybe that would be the time. But this is uh, earlier. Again, they were cautious the entire time. That's what they told us. Initially, he was only going to do individual drills, and then he jumped in team stuff, and you know, he just provides a lot of energy on the field, and his, I thought he had a great analogy of saying when he felt like he was a dog chasing a, a tennis ball and just because he was excited to be out there. And you could just see, you know, helping young guys when they come to the sidelines. So um, obviously we were waiting for this day, and now barring any setbacks and everything else, you know, he's looking forward to this season. His first training camp practice, remember a hamstring issue popped up during the run test, so he has been sidelined since that date in late July. But he's been out here, Kyle, and coaching from the sideline. But to be in uniform and now kind of get dirty, dirty, if you will, and show these players, these young defensive linemen, what to expect, I think can only do wonders for this team moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a leader – um, it's hard to just tell guys how to practice and to be on the sidelines and tell guys to give max effort and practice. And J.J. Watt, um, he's legendary for how hard he practices and his work ethic and the energy he brings to the team. And that's hard to do from the sideline. And um, now for him to be back, I'm sure it provides a tremendous boost, especially for some of the younger guys in this defensive line to see like, look, I'm I'm staring at a future Hall of Famer. I want to see how he works. I want to see how he approaches practice. I want to see his mentality, um, you know, and not just in, in games and not just in, in team periods, but how he approaches individual, the time he puts in in the film room, the time he puts in pre-practice, post-practice, because that's what made J.J. Watt the type of player he is, is just, just that type of work. And for the younger guys to see it now, it will just benefit them tremendously. You know, he, he mentioned Zach Allen, how, you know, he's been a you know a sponge just asking questions. He's watching film from a couple of years ago saying, well, why did you do this? And, and he said, you know, when Zach's in the um, weight room, he's trying to lift, you know, so much as he can. But so Zach definitely is, he, I think he put on some uh, 12 pounds and I think his body fat went down. But again, just to learn from that. And he said Chandler Jones can recite every single sack he's had. And then, you know, you get booted in the, in the secondary. So, I think that's going to help Collins overall, just having these layers of veteran guys. But for the most part, though, you could see that, um, you know, between Leckie and Rashard Lawrence, and Lawrence is scheduled to practice tomorrow. He's missed a lot of time. Um, you just need to be a sponge and watch what he does and, you know, try to pick his brain. Well, first practice in the books on Monday, and then, of course, he was on the practice field during the open portion on Tuesday as well. Post-practice on Monday, J.J. Watt explained what it was like to be back with his teammates. Uh, somebody just asked how it felt, and I was like, you're like a dog chasing a tennis ball. Wherever it bounces, you want to get it, and you're so excited to be out there, and like, it doesn't matter if you're supposed to go where it bounces, you're just going for it. Like, And that's what it felt like today. You're just so excited to be out there and excited to be playing with the guys, and it was a lot of fun. 
The other interesting aspect of that press conference on Monday, Kyle, was this idea that J.J. Watt doesn't need to be on the field for every single snap. He played a lot last season, and that was because he had to. But the idea that the Cardinals would like to limit his snap count this season, and that's difficult for any player to hear, but J.J. Watt understood it, called it beneficial, but more importantly, he knows that there are guys behind him that are just as capable, and I don't know, reading between the lines, if he felt like that in Houston to where he needed, he felt he needed to be on the football field more than maybe he should have been. Yeah, it's tough as you get further along in your career, especially when you've had years where you are, you know, you're like an Iron Man out there. You're out there, you feel like you don't want to miss reps. You feel like if you come off the field, there's a letdown, there's a step down in talent, there's a step down in intensity, and and you feel like your team needs you out there at all times. But, um, you know, with the talent that's been assembled, um, you know, especially some of these younger draft picks over the last few years and their development, um, you know, you have confidence that, you know, when J.J. Watt is tired and he's at 75%, you bring in these young guys fresh and they're at 100%, um, you know, they can give you – you know, almost as much or give you at, at least um, get you through situations and in, in, in key downs and he doesn't have to be out there all the time. And, um, you know, he talked about in the press conference about how, um, y- you know, he wants to be out there uh, when they need him and when it matters and be 100% and be a difference maker. And, you know, that's that's the natural progression, especially for a defensive lineman as they get further along in their career. Um, you still are an impact player. You still are one of the best in the league, but you might not be one of the best in the league playing 95% of the snaps. It, it does need to take a step down. And last year, I want to say he was double-teamed 36% of the time. He shouldn't see that this year just based on the front seven. But, you know, I go back to, you know, when Terrell Suggs was here and the, the game went to overtime and Billy Davis is saying, I got a Hall of Famer on the sidelines, but he's played X amount of snaps. How do they control that? I mean, because we know he's good against the run. But also he can win one-on-one matchups. So, you know, is it a case where you want him in the third and fourth quarter or is it, you know, you just got the monitor snaps throughout the course of the year? I think you rotate series. I mean, you get him in there maybe the first, second series, and then you give him a little bit of a break. And obviously you would like him on the field um, at the end of the half during a, a two-minute drive, and you would like him available um, at the end of the fourth quarter when you, you know, the one thing, not the one thing, but, you know, one of the things he's shown throughout his career is his ability to make big plays when it matters. And he's the type of guy you need and you want on the field when the game is on the line, especially at the end. And so you don't want to get to the end and, you know, you're looking down and he's taking 60 snaps and he doesn't have a lot left in the tank. You want him to still have a lot left in the tank when the game is on the line and you need a big play, you need a big stop on third down. You always have to be aware of where – number 99 is on the field and whether that's in a three-point stance he's standing up or he's on one side or the other so that is something that if you're Vance Joseph you can have a lot of fun with especially with Chandler Jones on the other side and trying to figure out the best way to attack an opposing offense whether that's you know you're trying to get to the quarterback or get into the ball carrier or to your point Kyle you know trying to get that ball out at a great moment whether that's you know late first half or certainly in the crucial moments of a fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and, you know, Mike just talked about it. You know, the the fact that he's not going to get double teamed every play because of the talent across the defensive line and because you could have linebackers stepping up and blitzing into gaps, and um, it, it's going to open things up for him. He's going to see things that he probably hasn't seen in a couple of years with these 
one-on-one opportunities. Um, I was back in Tennessee a couple years ago visiting, and they were talking about one year their game plan. The, the head coach went in and said, we're just going to run our offense. We're not going to game plan for J.J. Watt. And that was the worst mistake they could have made because he ended up having three sacks that game. And he, you have to, like you said, you have to know where he is. You have to give him extra attention or he's going to completely ruin the game for you. Certainly a very special player talking about J.J. Watt. Let's hear more from the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. This is from the Dave Pash podcast back earlier as far as why Kingsbury believes Watt is such a special player. When you watch him and when you talk to him, what, what makes him special? There's a certain level of intensity that he has. I mean, when he walks in any room in that building, I think everybody kind of stand up a little bit straighter, <laughs> whether it's the weight room, meeting rooms. I remember hopping on the first Zoom team meeting we had this offseason, and he's you know, staring at you, writing down every word. And so he just he brings it every day, and, and guys feel that. And, and so I can't wait to get him out on the practice field and really get it going. And we saw that MJ during off-season workouts, whether it was OTAs or minicamp, he's always first in line, he's always talking, but he's always leading. I mean, there's a reason behind what he says, whether that's to a young player or even someone his contemporary as far as a veteran like a Jordan Phillips. Yeah, I mean, and you're seeing the same thing from Jordan Hicks, even though, you know, he's he's been regulated and still going to get, you know, opportunities to play. And, you know, Zayvon Collins is the first-round pick, and, he, you know, he's still second or third on the pecking order there. Yeah. Again, I I feel like, you know, you look at Corey Peters, you know, he's he's you know, he's not going to play this week um and he'll be ready for the opener. I got to think when you're facing Derrick Henry, you got to get your big bodies in there. So, hopefully Phillips can return. You got Zach Allen, you got the rotation with uh Rashard Lawrence and Lecky Fotu. So I, I feel like they got, they're going to have a nice little rotation. But clearly, you know, he's a guy that can bat balls down. He can split a double team tackle for losses. So he, he brings a lot to the table than just maybe a guy that's going to put pressure on the quarterback or take him off his spot. By the way, those comments from the head coach, just a small sample of what is currently available right now. The Dave Patch Podcast, Episode 3, with special guest Cliff Kingsbury. You can follow along via your preferred podcast provider get the latest updates via twitter at hash pod we have hit halftime here on the cardinals red sea report when we come back we'll be joined by kicker matt prater and then also look ahead to this saturday night the saints are the opponent question is who's going to be playing against the saints what cardinal players will be dressed in uniform during the game we'll get into all that on the other side by the way, single-game tickets, non-sale now. Visit azcardinals.com slash gameticks. That's azcardinals.com slash gametix. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Forty-seven-yard attempt to win the game. Matt Prater with Andy Lee holding tied at 16. The hold and snap are good. The kick is up. Plenty of leg, and it is good. The Cardinals win. Matt Prater, the game-winning 47-yarder. Cardinals 19, Dallas 16. A win in the preseason opener here at State Farm Stadium. The game winner from the preseason opener, the Cardinals beating the Cowboys 19-16, and Matt Prater good from 47 yards out. In fact, he's been good all preseason long, 5-5 five of five on field goals, and Matt Prater joins us right now on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Matt, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. 
It's our pleasure. Your first season with the Cardinals, but I got to look back. Year 15 for you. What were your expectations back in 2007 coming out of Central Florida? Um, honestly, just to make it and learn. I, I knew I was really um, raw as a, a guy, a prospect coming out of college. I just uh, swung my hardest to then um, realize the hard way that it's got to go straight. It doesn't matter how far it goes. But um, So I took bits and pieces over the years. But um, when I first made it, my goal was obviously to make a team. And then once I made it, it was to play 10 years. And now going on 15, it's like a blink of an eye. And it's been 15 years. It's pretty crazy. But I'm still trying to do it. I, um, I enjoy it. And, you know, there's there's nothing else like being in the locker room and uh, bonding with everybody. And, you know, just the, being a part of a team, is there's nothing like it. Well, if the goal was 10, you're at 15. Do I hear 20? I mean, uh, how far, uh, how much longer we got here? I, I Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I, I Kind of a year at a time at this point. And as long as they're going straight and I'm enjoying it, I'll keep doing it as long as I can. Matt, what do you think of training camp? I mean, clearly indoors, um, you know, air condition. They're going to have a new sod field uh, when you guys come back here for week two against the, the Vikings. But just being at the hotel, what do you think of the setup here? I love it. Um, you know, anytime you can kick indoors, and especially on grass, there's it's it's the best of both worlds. Um, and then being in air condition instead of the heat is awesome. So I've, I've really enjoyed camp um, out here this year. When we always talk about relationships, obviously you have a relationship with Jeff Rogers and Aaron Brewer. Um, when you're getting intel on a certain team, how, how helpful is that? Um, it's definitely helpful. And I think when you when you get to go to work and um, with people that you're friends with, you enjoy working with and you get along with, it makes it, you know, a lot, I wouldn't say better, but it's just, you know, when you kind of bond and you gel together and uh, definitely makes things easier and <clears throat> keeps you a little bit loose uh, at the same time my understanding is uh you and brewer were roommates is that correct uh yeah he was actually the when he made the team in denver um, we cut a veteran uh, lonnie paxton and uh, brewer made the team and he started stressing out and trying to figure out what apartment he's going to get or a house or all that good stuff so i told him i was like you know brewer why don't you just you know stay with me i have two extra rooms at the you know i had a, a townhouse and i said why don't you just stay with me and so your parents come out and figure it out. You just need to worry about snapping. Don't worry about where you're going to live and what you're going to eat and all that good stuff. So, yeah, we were roommates for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I kind of took care of him a little bit. But now he's going on his 10th year, which is crazy as well. Oh, we got to include Devin Fitzsimmons as well, the Cardinals' new assistant special teams coach. You guys were together in Detroit. The only new face in all of this equation is Andy Lee. How, did you know him ahead of this season? And then that relationship with the holder, I know it's it's it's, it's huge for any kicker. Right. Um, I just knew Andy from playing against him over the years and mutual friends. But, you know, coming here with Andy, he's one of the best to ever do it, hands down. And it's awesome getting to watch him work and he doesn't miss a beat holding and you know, I knew I knew what I was getting into with Brewer snapping and I heard nothing but good things about Andy as a holder and um, yeah I feel like we've kind of gelled pretty quickly and hopefully it's a long season so we got to keep it straight for another you know however long 20 weeks or and uh, but no he's he's been awesome he's a great guy great holder great punter he's all around just perfect teammate. Matt Prater joining us here on the Cardinals Red Sea Reports. I want to go back to your introductory press conference with the Cardinals way back earlier in the offseason. You mentioned Jeff Rogers as being, quote, a big reason why I wanted to come here, end quote. What is about Coach Rogers that made this an attractive place and then just the relationship that you two have? Um, I'd say just his coaching style and 
when I was with him, you know, earlier on in my career, I had some ups and downs and I remember he pulled me aside and, um, talked to me one-on-one and just kind of gave me a, not a pep talk, but a vote of confidence and talked me through some things. And, um, uh, now I'm a little more experienced and just working with him. I was, I was really excited just because he's so easygoing and basically really chill on the sideline during game days. Um, really easy to work with and he holds you accountable at the same time too where there's high expectations which I have high expectations for myself but um, just working with Coach Rogers is, is it's been awesome. One of the storylines of camp is your skinny goalpost. I mean for our listeners out there and maybe they haven't had a chance to, to come to practice and clearly once you get back on Tempe they're not going to be able to so w- what is the mindset when you have those? Um, basically it's like the old saying aim small miss small so Anytime I kick field goals with, with the team or when I'm warming up and practicing, I, I like to only look at those and practice kicking on those. They're nine feet wide, which is just under half as wide of the regular goalposts. So when I look at those all week and then we you know play in the stadium or the home or away, the uprights look like twice as big. So I feel like I can't miss on those. And it's just, just a little kind of a mental edge that I've picked up over the years that I, I really like to practice on those all the time. Watching you practice, even when the fans were in attendance here at State Farm Stadium during training camp, you're consistently having that ball spotted at the 50-yard line and even going to the other 45-yard line. I mean, is that? I mean, keeping that leg strong. I mean, is there a is there a limit on on how long a field goal for you personally is? Yeah, there's definitely a limit. Um, but yeah, when they sent me out there for you know the longer kicks, I expect to make them. They wouldn't send me out there if I, they didn't think or, uh, that I was going to make it or didn't have the confidence in me to make it. So, um, like I said, anytime they send me out there, I expect to make them, whether it's an extra point or a 60 yarder. I treat them all the same. I was going to ask you that. I mean, obviously, you know, in the first quarter is just as important as the fourth. But when you're going out there for a game winner, I mean, is your mindset changed at all, or just you're just trying to get it through the uprights? No, my mindset's always the same. I go out, you know, I'm, one thing, I, I'm pretty confident when I go out there, um, and I just expect to make those kicks when they, you know, whether it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter. Um, and so I, I don't treat the last second kicks any different. I go out and just expect to make them. Well, you made one last year against the Cardinals in week three that Cardinal fans are well aware of, and certainly hopefully now with the addition of you that the Cardinals uh, will be on the right side of a lot of those games here in 2021. The other aspects of your game is kickoffs, and I know it was a talking point earlier in camp because you just haven't done it, but I think in the preseason in two games against the Cowboys and Chiefs, you certainly answered the question on whether you have a strong enough leg if they ask for you to get that touchback. Yeah, um, I'm pretty confident with kickoffs. Um, I just because I hadn't done them in a while, but when I did do them with Denver and I you know, filled in here and there in Detroit, I feel like I could still do them pretty well and be effective. And um, I feel like with our kickoff coverage team as well, as long as I you know give them some hang time and keep it in play, they're going to tackle them inside the 25. The kickoff coverage team here is awesome. And so basically it's on me not to screw it up and give those guys a chance to cover it. I don't even think that um, we possibly – might not even want to hit touchbacks all the time just because the coverage team is so good. I was going to ask you about that because we're seeing more and more teams, you know, you kick it deep and then all of a sudden the ball is spotted at the 25, but if you can do the corner kicks or kick it a little bit shorter and the coverage units you just referred to, I mean, how much of that is the is the strategy that we might see here this season? Yeah, it's definitely a strategy. I think it's going to change week to week depending on the, the opposing team's strengths and weaknesses, depending on the returner and on all that kind of stuff. So, I think it'll be week to week, but I think there's definitely going to be at least a few games where we're not trying to kick touchbacks this year. 
All right, so before camp, it looked like uh, Luis Andejas had tweeted something on Instagram. Talk about you working out with him and uh, what were those chickens like when you were <laughs> kicking those field goals? It's, it was cool. My, my mom actually has chickens back oh, okay. home in Florida, so it wasn't anything <laughs> <laughs> new for me. But, no, he's such a nice guy, and he opened up his uh, house, and his, he has a football field in his backyard, which is awesome. And um, just going out there and working with him, he was shooting jugs to, um, when Tyler was still here, so I was getting an operation with the – you know, he was shooting the jugs to Tyler. He's putting them down, and I'm kicking um, – it was a lot of fun and learned from him. And I, anytime I go and kick with guys that have done it or that coach, I always try to at least take one thing away. And um, he, I think for, with him, he was just such a nice guy, great guy. I, I, I'm definitely going to work with him down the road as well. How difficult is it for you and other kickers in the off season to find? I mean, you know, goalposts or two trees close together. I mean, as far as trying to practice kicking field goals. Um, it, well, especially with the COVID stuff going on, when all the fields were closed, it was tough. So you'd have to find a park or um, a high school field you could get onto. But, um, yeah, this year I was kind of hitting different high schools in the area and going out there and getting work in. But then once I got connected with Luis, I was going out to his place uh, probably twice a week. Well, Matt, it's uh, a pleasure and uh, certainly glad you're with the Arizona Cardinals here in 2021. Appreciate a couple of minutes and best of luck the rest of this season. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm really excited for the season. Hey, we are, too. Just right around the corner. We'll take a timeout, come back with more as we work our way towards the top of the hour here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Murray's got the ball, drops back to throw. A lob pass, right corner of the end zone, on the money to Andy Isabella for the touchdown. What a pass by Kyler Murray, and you see the confidence of Andy Isabella soaring for the Cardinals. Rose strong, grasshopper. Snap to Murray, rolls right, throws right. Isabella caught it, and he stumbles, dives, and in. Touchdown. Andy Isabella with his second touchdown catch of the day. One step up the field and then wham, run that out. He chucked the DB. He met the press, and he threw him out of the way. Flashback a year ago against the Detroit Lions. Andy Isabella with a huge performance and now looking at a huge opportunity this week as we welcome you back here to the Cardinals. Red Sea Report, Craig Rielu, Mike Jarecki, and Kyle Vandenbosch looking ahead to Cardinals at Saints on Saturday. 5 o'clock is the kickoff. That would be a 1.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And yes, Andy Isabella is expected to play on Saturday. In fact, play a lot. Isabella, along with Dennis Gardeck and J.J. Watt, all activated on Monday. Isabella has been missing the past two preseason games, MJ, because he's been on the reserve COVID-19 list. It uh, was good to see him during the open portion of practice, both Monday and Tuesday. And uh, certainly if things continue to trend that he is capable of playing, um, we should see him quite a bit against the Saints. Yeah, and Kingsbury alluded it's it's a big uh, big week for Andy Isabella. I still think, you know, if you look at the top six receivers, I think he's number six right now. Doesn't mean he's going to be active on game day, but I thought, you know, when he was out there, when the fans were here, I thought he was consistent catching the ball. You see him after practice on the jugs machine, so now it's just a matter of him going out there and playing free and, you know, putting the, the decision in the decision makers, but I, I do think he's still going to be on the roster. It's just I don't know if he'll be active on game day. Well, you mentioned the head coach. Let's hear from head coach Cliff Kingsbury about Isabella. 
I'd say it's a big week. I mean, he hasn't had preseason action yet, and that's important um, to see how he, he responds in the game, and I expect him to play a lot on Saturday. It's all part of the evaluation process, Kyle, and certainly when you look at the wide receiver position, I think we're safe to say that five we know of, and that would be DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and Keyshawn Johnson because Johnson plays on special teams. The question mark, though, is Andy Isabella and is if there's someone else at that position or if they only keep five wide receivers, then all of a sudden Isabella would be the odd guy out. Right, and it, yeah, you know what what he brings to the game is something you can't coach. It's it's something you know. No matter how many reps you get, it, it, some players aren't going to develop. But he has world class speed. You know, you'd like to see, but there is a difference in being fast and being athletic. You know, he doesn't always make the athletic play. He doesn't make um, you know the one handed grabs or or the things that you know a player like Keyshawn Johnson makes. Sometimes these fantastic catches and makes it look easy. Um, you know, he needs to look comfortable catching the ball, especially catching the ball in traffic. And, you know, the thing that you would like to see, um, you know, not only doing that at the receiver position, he's had two years and hasn't really made an impact on special teams. He, If he can show and he gets that opportunity in this third preseason game to show that he can be a contributor and he can make an impact and he can be a good player on special teams, then I think he solidifies that spot. But like you said, there is other players that have flashed. Um, you know, you've got Bacelli and you've got Dortch and you've got Wesley. And um, those guys have shown some good things at camp as well. And so, you know, each of those guys really has an opportunity in this last preseason game to show that they can not only function and contribute to this offense, but that they can be that player on special teams. Because that, if you do keep that six wide receiver, that's your opportunity to get on the field and to be active on game days. He, he's one guy that, I mean, I'm sure Rondell Moore can line up outside, but you know, clearly they want him in the slot right now, and we know Hopkins and Green are outside, but Andy's a guy that can play inside and outside. So if they really want to go four or five wide, now he'd have to be active. I think, you know, drawing that third or fourth corner, possibly safety over the top help. Um, but I do th- agree with, with Kyle. Initially he was catching the ball kind of with his body, and we know how much he works with the jugs machine. But I do think Sean Jefferson – um, is a guy that can get him to the next level. Now it's a matter of what Andy's going to do when he gets out of his opportunities. Outside of the wide receiver position, this is the preseason finale, so the last time for game tape and the last time before the final roster is set as far as that 53-man roster is concerned. MJ, you look at different position groups, whether that's D-line, offensive line, maybe even outside linebacker, cornerback, those are position groups that are with heavy numbers like the wide receiver position, but uh, anyone else outside of Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, we've already talked about them, but players that perhaps now all of a sudden need that extra extra reps, if you will, to kind of make a mark this week. Yeah, you look at Tay Gowan. I, I, I think if the Cardinals keep five cornerbacks, I know, I know Dark has Denard hasn't practiced, but I was told he can play safety, he can play inside and outside. So I would think Marco Wilson's your number four. And then, depending on Denard, uh, again, how many are active on game day? And then you look at the safety position. You know, you look at Buddha and the Thompson Twins, and then Chris Banjo's probably going to be out. And then you look at Charles Washington. I mean, he's fighting for a position with Sean Williams, who the Cardinals signed from Cincinnati. And then you also throw in Wiggins. And some of these guys are going to try to slide on the practice squad. And then I think they're going to go carry three tight ends, and now it's a matter of who do they like. We know that. Sykovitz is, uh, you know, he's got an exemption, so he'll be on the practice squad. But I think Ross Travis, he's caught the ball in traffic. He's running a good route. So, 
you know, you look at some of those guys, but clearly I don't think the starters are going to play. So, you know, you got to field the team, and there could be 30, 40 players out. And so, you, you know, right now you're 83-man roster. They're going to make some roster moves here. So we'll see. But it's an opportunity for guys to, you know, get more playing time and then get on film because last year you didn't have a preseason and scouts are attending these games. I just think it's difficult to, to claim a guy – knowing you got to put them on your 53-man roster. And for several weeks, not just week one as well, but they've got to stay around, I believe it's three, three games, if I remember correctly. But, Kyle, you look at this preseason finale, and you know we, we talk about wanting to make sure everyone is healthy for week one, but you do have to play somebody. I mean, not every starter is going to be sitting on the sidelines or standing on the sidelines watching. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a handful, I would think, and then some key reserves as well. But for the most part, if I'm the head coach, I'm making sure that it's it's the backups that hopefully can flash, if not for the Cardinals, for someone else. Yeah, it's, it's about building a resume. And some of these guys probably have a good idea already that they're not going to make this team. But they, a good number of them will get picked up immediately, and then the rest of them, when injuries happen throughout the season, um, GMs, everybody's going to have access to this tape, and they're going to be watching. And, um, I think, you know, one other that, you know, Mike didn't mention is that third running back spot, and, you know, Benjamin has, you know, really in these two preseason games made a name for himself. He's run hard. He's caught the ball out of the backfield. He's shown returnability, but, you know, Jonathan Ward has flashed in practice, and he ran hard also in this second preseason game. So he needs to take this opportunity in this third preseason game to try to close that gap because I think it did, you know, spread a little bit. If we learned anything over the last couple of years, just because they announced the 53-man roster, you got to think between Monday and Tuesday, um, I wouldn't go out and buy a car or purchase a house because there's no guarantees. you got to be on the roster Wednesday to get credit for that week of practice and playing. So it'll be interesting, but I wouldn't look at that from that standpoint. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it! He's in! Touchdown! Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score! Touchdown! Oh, baby! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.